When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we welcome you to this edition of Tuesday People, the podcast. I am your host, Mitch Album, the author of the book, Tuesdays with Maury, upon which this podcast is inspired. And Lisa Goich, who produces the podcast every week and was my friend before the podcast and remains my friend during the podcast, <laughs> which may be, may be an even bigger impressive thing. Uh, Thank once you do God. A podcast together. Yeah, uh, is here with us as always. <laughs> and uh, today we're going to talk about something that is really important and very basic and yet I would say is one of the things that we neglect the absolute most in our lives and that is saying we're sorry, apologizing, doing it in a way that not only makes the injured party feel better but makes ourselves feel better. I remember in all the times I visited with Maury and all the hours spent alongside his easy chair in his office with him talking about the most poignant and personal things in his life and in his dying, that of all the visits, the most he ever cried, the most upset I ever saw him, was when he detailed a story about a friend of his named Norman, whom he had been very close with at one point in their lives and then had lost touch with over a silly argument. A disagreement over whether he should have called sooner over uh, Maury's wife being sick, something that could have easily been resolved. But because it was never really resolved, the friendship sort of crumbled because they never really said, I'm sorry, either one of them, in a way that made the other one satisfied. The relationship crumbled and they lost touch. And then Maury found out that Norman had died uh, a few weeks earlier when I came to visit. Uh, from cancer. And he was so upset. He was so brokenhearted. Uh, And he said, Mitch, I'll never have the chance to make that up to him. Why did I let that foolish disagreement separate us for all these years? It means nothing to me now, nothing. And he looked me straight in the eye and he said, if there's anyone you care about, Mitch, who you love, who's in your family, your friends, and you're fighting with or you're feuding with, say you're wrong. Even if you're right, say Mm -hmm. you're wrong. (laughs) Apologize. Even if you're 100% right, you say it was your fault. Because when you get to where I am, and you will get to where I am, you're not going to care who was right or wrong in your little disagreement. All you'll care about is that they're there with you, and you can look them in the eye, and you can hold their hand, and you can tell them what a good friend or good family member or good partner they've been all those years. And I wish I could do that with Norman, and I can't, and I never will. And I never forgot that. And I I have ever since never let a squabble go on for any length of time 
between myself and somebody I care about. I mean, when mm-hmm. I say any length of time, 24 hours is, a, is way too long. That's uh, good, Mitch. Yeah, usually usually within five minutes, 10 minutes, I'm, I'm back on the phone or back in the room or whatever it is. Uh, but that's because I got scared straight <laughs> by watching <laughs> that example. It's not so easy for many of us. And we're so happy to welcome to the program Dr. Jennifer Thomas, who's a not only a motivational speaker, uh, a business consultant, a psychologist. She's done TED Talks. She is a co-author of The Five Languages of Apology, which is formerly titled When Sorry Isn't Enough. And her books have been translated into multiple foreign languages, sold hundreds of thousands of copies around the world. You could say that she's a, an apology expert. Uh, and uh, she has now got the revised edition of The Five Languages of Apology, the Secret to Healthy Relationships, which she also co-wrote with Gary Chapman. And we're here to talk about how you say you're sorry in a, in a gentle and affirming way. Uh, so Jennifer Thomas, welcome to our program. Thank you. I'm excited to be here and I'm looking forward to our conversation today. Well, we are too. So what would you say is the most common mistake people make about apologizing? be it theoretically or when they actually try to do it uh, or how they even feel about what apologizing does. What's the most common blunder? So I think there's an epidemic of trying to share the blame. So maybe starting to apologize, but then adding the dreaded word, but. And as you and your listeners know, that's not what we wanna hear when someone's apologizing we want for their apology to hit the mark. And then my hope is that people will stop before they add those qualifiers and kind of call it back or mm. um, pass the blame on to the other person. The way I view blame is that it's like a hot potato and we want to pass it around. But the challenge when you're apologizing is to be willing to accept the responsibility and to let the other person know that you are really sad or Um, upset about what you've done and how you've caused pain for the other person. And the key is for them to know how sincere you are so that those barriers don't build up between you and the other person, whether you're talking about an apology at home or at work. I think Maury was so right in the sense of it's important for us to not let those things fester, but to Mm -hmm. go to the other person and try to make things right. Now, when when you are 100% wrong, what you just said is easier to do because you know deep down that you were you were you just messed up. And yeah. this is what I classify as those kind of apologies you see in the movies. Hey, I'm sorry, I'm an idiot. <laughs> you know, they say, it's like they just they just knock themselves over. You know, I'm I'm a total screw up. You know, what can I say? Yeah, uh, right. and that's like mea culpa, mea culpa, and and in some ways, it's kind of hard to feel bad about an apology like that. But my question to you, first question to you of many, what do you do when in your mind you still feel that there is a but? You are partially right, but you want to apologize. You want to get past the argument and the feelings. Should you delay the but part? Should you swallow the but part? Should you... Should you say that will come up later or that's not important now? Because most people do not feel I'm an idiot. I was totally wrong. Most people feel like you just said, partly right and partly wrong. 
Yeah, that's a good point. We love the big apologies, the I can't believe I did that. I'm a total doofus. Those are easy to accept. Um, and so I tell people when you apologize, if you know you really blew it, go big. You almost can't go too big. They will nod their head and smile because there's a reassurance in hearing that from you because they don't want you to do it again. And if you go big, they have a better sense that you get it and that you're going to change. But it's an important question. What do we do if someone is confronted us? They want a big apology from us, but we really think, well, there were some extenuating circumstances or there's blame to be shared here. And so I do encourage people in those moments to pause and to continue the conversation the best you can without going into what we would call a false apology. Um, so I may differ from some other experts in that, but our big thing is sincerity. And so I only want you to step out to the extent that you feel you can really be sincere in what you're saying. So if there is a further explanation, I encourage people to wait on that for a, an hour or a day. And then if you want to go back to that, you could say, you know, I'd like to circle back to what we were talking about there. There was a little bit more going on behind the scenes than I explained to you. There was this extenuating circumstance, but I really don't want that to take away from the apology that I gave you. That still stands, but I also think you should know this. You have, you have five uh, kind of stages, uh, you call it five languages of apology in your new book. Um, let me walk through these a little bit because each one of them is a little bit different than the other, although they all kind of fall under the general heading of apologizing. So the first that gets listed is express regret. That's, that's a fundamental uh, to everything. The, that is, I'm sorry. How do people mess up expressing regret? What's the right way and the wrong way to express regret? Well, what we know when we're expressing regret, we're letting the other person see that we understand that we've caused them some pain, some frustration. We've created some unwelcome emotions in them. And so you want to be very specific when you talk about it. A mistake people make is they'll say, well, I'm sorry about what happened or something more passive or external. But it's powerful if you can use the word I. And um, a strong lead in for any apology is to say, I apologize and then express that regret. Um, many of us jump to just saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. In fact, there are over apologizers and we talk about that in our book. Hmm. Um, and, and for them, they should wait because if you apologize too often and you say, I'm sorry all the time, it doesn't carry um, as much weight or sincerity with it. Um, but you really want to let the person know that, that you understand the pain you've caused and that you are sorry about it. Is it good to say... Um, in addition to obviously the two basic words, I'm sorry, I feel so terrible that I hurt you. You know, I feel so badly that, that I have caused you pain. You know, to, to, when you say express regret, uh, if you leave it at I'm sorry, it's just, you, that could be interpreted as, okay, maybe my, my side of the argument wasn't as right as I thought it was, so I'm sorry. But if you acknowledge, that the other person is in pain and that you feel badly about causing that pain, now you're not only expressing regret for you know being on the wrong side of the argument, maybe, 
but you express regret for the fact that you hurt somebody. If I get in an argument with my wife, I can tell you that the thing that bothers me the most instantly, once I see she's upset, isn't isn't the argument, whatever it was about, you know, I, I long, I, I dropped that immediately. So, oh my God, I hurt, I hurt my wife. You know, I hurt my wife's feelings. I made her feel bad. And that's what I'm really sorry about. Is it a good idea to, to make that a premier part of your apology? I think it is to a certain extent. Uh, it goes under that heading of go big on your apology. It's almost hard to overstate how sorry you are or how terrible you feel because the person who is hurt needs that. And it feels usually validating and caring to them. Um, but I would say don't go too far overboard to the uh, extent that they feel like they have to take care of you. Um, so don't say, mm. you know, like shame words or I'm so shamed or I could have just hurt myself or you know, something that extreme would be a problem. But in general, I think letting them know how deeply troubled you are by it is again, going to reassure them that you're not going to do it again. Okay. Yeah. That's tough though. Can I ask a quick question? What if when you apologize, they don't accept your apology, even if you're being sincere and even if you, you know, call out your shortcomings and everything you did wrong, either they don't answer you. Let's say you do it in an email or something, or you try to call them and they don't, you know, pick up. And so you leave a message, uh, what if you never hear from them again? Then who is it on? Is it on them? Is it on you? Do you just give up? <laughs> right. This yeah. sounds very personal, Lisa. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it might it might have a personal thing in yeah, there. There might be might, a little might, might have happened somewhere along the way. That happens to people. That happens to people. You apologize and they don't accept your apology. So what okay. what do you do? Yeah, I, I totally feel that question. I, I know you're not just asking for a friend, probably. Um, <laughs> a lot of us have experienced that, myself included, and it's very painful and distracting when we have a broken relationship. We want to be able to fix it. And if the person ghosts us, it it's, feels terrible. That's the worst time to ghost somebody um, because they want to be able to make it better, but you're not letting them do that. Um, but here's the new concept that I brought to Gary Chapman, who's the author of The Five Love Languages. I sat down with him and I said, you know, I've been looking at apologies and dealing with this in my own marriage and in my work with um, consulting and doing counseling. And I really think that people differ in terms of what they expect from an apology. And that's mm -hmm. why Mitch might say, well, Jennifer's apology was good. It was fine. She said she was sorry. And Lisa might say, no, I think that apology was really lacking. I needed to hear X, Y, or Z. And so that's when we coined the term apology languages because we realized that what one person considers to be a sincere apology is not what someone else is waiting to hear. Oh, got it. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. So it really is, it's, it's definitely an important give and take between the apologizer and the um, apology receiver. <laughs> exactly. What we say is one size does not fit all when it comes yeah. to apologies. And yet apologies are like the wallpaper of life. They're there or we're wanting them. I hear stories in the news every day about, a, you know, somebody wants an apology or somebody gave an apology. And I comment on those and I talk about how to make them better. But the thing is, we, we don't tend to talk about them. Even with our closest 
people either in the office or at home, you may have never asked them when you were apologizing when you were a kid, what did your parents or your teachers expect you to say? And that's really key because the answer is probably going to let you know what their primary apology language is. And it's very similar to love languages where it's a preference that we carry around. And if we don't know what they're waiting to hear, the problem is we're going to do it our way, check it off, move on, and never realize that they were questioning our sincerity. Right. Yeah, that's a tough one. Sometimes, though, if you don't know what you're apologizing for... Um, that's another issue, you know, like sometimes somebody may be mad at you and they don't say why, and you have to apologize and you, you apologize just because you want to make things right. And they don't tell you what they, you know, what you did, you know? Right. So that becomes, that that's when it may sound like shallow or something, you know? Well, yeah. that speaks to some of the other steps of the, uh, of the five languages here. So let's, Let's advance to them because I think you're going to answer these, that, that inquiry and, and others, uh, Jennifer, as we, as we continue on this. We'll be back with more Tuesday People right after this. So the second one, mm -hmm. after expressing regret, saying, I'm sorry, is accept responsibility. I was wrong. Um, I think we've talked about that uh, yeah. to some degree already here. You know, I, I, I was wrong. I was the one who did, did the wrong thing, said the wrong thing. I, I, I raised my voice. I you know, a lot of a lot of um, a lot of arguments, it seems to me, and a lot of apologies, therefore, have as much to do with the way something was said the tone with which it was said or the words mm -hmm. with which it was used as the actual subject. Do you make those kind of distinctions, Jennifer, in terms of, you know, when you, when you're apologizing? Well, absolutely. You're, you make an important point there because body language carries a lot of our meaning along with it. And so I do make the point, if you're apologizing to someone, you shouldn't have your arms crossed. That's bad body language. And you're, what you're conveying is that you feel defensive still. Mm -hmm. You want to have an open posture and have a look on your face that is accepting and inviting. And if, if a person is asking you to, to apologize for something that you don't think you did wrong, then what you want to do is have a conversation with them. And with that open body language, ask them, can you tell me more about that? And then instead of giving an apology that you don't mean, I would encourage you to say something like, I wish I could go back and make it different. I would give anything if I could undo that because I can see how much that hurt you. And right. sometimes those words will be enough validation um, that they're going to be ready to move on with you and have that relationship healed, which is really our goal. And right. so with this second apology language that Mitch um, was talking about saying I was wrong, this is really hard for certain people. Some of us were raised with parents who said maybe to their sons or maybe sons and daughters that you don't want to say you were wrong or apologize because it shows weakness. But what we say is, no, it's, it's the exact opposite. People will respect you more if you are willing to say when you've messed up. 
And what we encourage people to do again is to be very specific about it. So don't say I was wrong in what I did. Name what you did or didn't do and the problems that resulted from that. And then the person hopefully will understand how sincere you are. Yeah, I think you make a good point about body language. I also think tone of voice mm-hmm. is, is such an important thing. If you think about how this sounds, if you're arguing, you're arguing like this and somebody says something and then you go, all right, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, okay, I'm sorry. It's, it still sounds like an argument. You know, you're <laughs> saying the words, I'm sorry, okay, I was wrong, okay? But, but that, you don't really sound, you still sound like you're just reading the script with some different words, but in the same in the, with the same stage direction. So I find, especially since I have a loud voice and, 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 and it carries, that when I really want to say I'm sorry and really want to show my sincerity, I have to like undo my whole vocal cords and have to really get softer and think for a second and, and change my tone and say, you know, exhale. That's a good, that's a good little physical mm-hmm. exercise. And then say, you're right. I was, I was wrong. I'm sorry. And it sounds different, you know, but you can't like, you can't continue in that vocal vein. Do you, do you find mm-hmm. that that's a mistake right. that people make? Exactly right. And that's such a good tip, Mitch, to um, take a moment, exhale. I would also encourage you maybe to sit down uh, because people don't realize, but sometimes they're very intimidating if they're standing up or towering over people. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm only 5'1", and so I'm I'm pretty sensitive to that. And uh, it would mean a lot to me if, if the person chose to kind of sit down and look up at me to apologize. And another point with this is that we shouldn't be apologizing over text or email. If we have an option to do it in person, what's really good about that is that you get to bring your own tone of voice to it. If someone is Mm -hmm. reading your apology and and you're not there to read it to them, then they're going to interject their own um, sounds to it, right? And so it can sound like, I'm sorry. Um, And they might think that you're yelling when in fact, it's exactly the opposite. Yeah, Yeah, that's a great idea. You can only use so many smile emojis um, (laughs) in an email. Right, right. Right. Well, and in this day and age of COVID, where people are having hard times getting to the same place, at the very least, make the phone call or do a Zoom or something like that. Yeah, or, yeah. Or FaceTime. Exactly. But don't write a point. If, if there is one sure way to be misinterpreted in an apology or in an explanation, it is in the written word and in an email, mm-hmm. especially since, and I say this as a writer, uh, even as a writer who is used to using words to express himself, you can get tangled up and you can write some sentences that can be misread uh, and can be taken a certain way. And you might be reading them with your voice saying, I just really wanted you to understand where I was coming from. But they're hearing it like, I just wanted you to understand where I was coming from. <laughs> and then, you know, exactly. and, and the, you can't control the voice that they hear yeah, the words coming true. at you in. That yes, is that's true. a good point. And I've, I do want to interject here that I think it's great to write your apologies. As you mentioned, Mitch, you know, some of us are writers or journalists and we think better when we can write it out. And especially where stakes are high emotionally with these things, it's great if you want to write it. But then I encourage people to deliver it to the person, um, as you said, by Zoom or by telephone. You can let them know, look, I wrote this out and I want to read it to you. 
Um, and I think that that would show how sincere you are because you took the time right. to write it. And, and I would end with a statement of commitment and appreciation. Let them know, look, we've walked down this road of life together and I want to see that continue. You are really important to me. And so I'm going to send this to you or let you have this written apology that I've just read to you um, because I stand by what I said. I, I mm -hmm. really messed up and I want to make things right. Yeah. And plus, you'll always have this in the future if I ever mess up again. <laughs> you can wave it at me. So <laughs> yeah, that, exactly. That, exactly. that leads us to uh, number three on this list. Make restitution. How can I make it right? So this, this goes from apologizing for your action, taking responsibility for your action, to trying to move the ball forward. Like, okay, how do we, how do we get to the next step? What can I do to make this right? Elaborate on that, if you would. Exactly. So this step is about making amends. And for some people, they would say, hey, talk is cheap. You've already told me you were wrong and you've told me you were sorry in the past. I'll begin to trust you again. I'll know you're sincere when I see you doing things to make this right. So what you want to do is make the person whole again and look at, did I cost them some time? Did I cost them some money? And if so, let me take that out of my own account. Um, and it might mean spending hours helping them fix if, if there was something that you messed up. Um, you're letting them know that you want to erase the damage that you've caused. And that again, that you're taking responsibility for it. And as you can see, these languages build on each other. Um, you could also see them as steps to a complete apology. Well, when you say, how can I make it right? That puts the onus on the other person to come up with a solution, which is fine if the person is that kind of person who says, well, you know, you can, you can make the bed <laughs> tomorrow. Like we, so we won't have this argument. Or, you know. But if the person is the kind of person who shrugs, I don't know, like that, how do you, how do you move the thing forward and don't just leave it with that sentence like, well, I want to make it right. How can I make it right? Because you could start a new, whole new argument again. Well, tell me how I can fix it. Tell me how I can make it better. I don't, we don't want to keep having this argument. Tell me what you want me to do, you know, and, and exactly. now you're in another argument. <laughs> yeah, you have a good point there. And sometimes it's powerful to make an initial offer. Um, so saying, I want to do this for you or with you as a step towards reparations. Um, but our point there is to not stop with that. If you do what you say you're going to do, then you still want to ask them, is there anything else that you want me to say or do? Because I really want to make things right between us. So don't, you know, kind of dust off your hands and walk away, feel like it's settled until you've asked them, is this satisfying or is there something else? Right. And that kind of dovetails into language number four, plan for change. I'll take steps to prevent a recurrence. Being, you know, proactive about never not not only making this right, like okay, you know, uh, let me make it up to you. Uh, let me let me call your sister and apologize because uh, we were arguing over how you treat members of the family. You know, uh, so let me call her and apologize, and uh, as well as apologizing to you. But now, plan for change. I'll take steps to prevent a recurrence. What can I do to? keep this from happening again. Now that seems to be more on you, right? The, the individual who's, who's apologizing. 
That's right. There's some work that we probably need to do. Um, I would say some guardrails that we need to put in place so that we're not going to let the other person down like this again. So a common problem is um, being late or not showing up for an event. And so in that case, part of the apology should include some reminder that you're going to set and maybe even a repeated reminder with time built in for um, anything that might pop up and get in the way of you being on time. And, and so you could tell the person, look, while we're still here together, I'm going to put this new plan in place because, again, I'm committed to you and it's really important to me that I not let you down this way again next week or next yeah. month. Yeah, very smart and, uh, and very tangible. It takes it from the emotional part of I'm sorry, I was wrong, and all those things of the hangdog look uh, to, okay, here's, here's what we're going to do to actually make sure we don't go through this again. And then the last one, which to me is, is, is really the deepest cutting and I think the, the most emotional when I read through your, your book and your, your five languages here, and that is request forgiveness. Can you find it in your heart to forgive me? This, this I think, takes apology into another arena. It's, the, it's an arena where a bad thing, an argument, has the opportunity to bring out the best in both parties because the party that is apologizing, which heretofore has just been sort of the guilty party, and I'm sorry, I was wrong, how do I make it right, what can I do to go? Now, there's an opportunity for the injured party to actually rise up as a result of this argument, because to grant forgiveness, to give grace to someone, is one of the greatest things that a human being can do, and is, is one of the most purifying feelings that a person can have, uh, especially if it's hard. And, and so this really, forgiveness is, is I mean, more, I can't tell you how much time Maury and I spent talking about forgiveness in, in one shape or form. I can't tell you how many times in novels that I have written that the, the incident of forgiveness and the t- overtone of forgiveness, the theme of it, uh, ended up being a huge scene or part of the story. And always is the part that I get letters from people saying, oh, I cried at that part, you know, or um, I really related to that part. Forgiveness yes. is, is such a huge part of it. So can you elaborate on, on language number five? Yes. So this question is one that came up as we began to survey people and ask, what do you consider to be a sincere apology? And we were not looking for five, um, but we were, you know, pleasantly surprised, I guess you could say, that their answers fell into these five categories. And for Gary Chapman and I, neither of us were as children, we're expected to ask the question, will you please forgive me? So we could give a very sincere apology to someone and walk away and never realize, oh, they didn't, for them, that didn't check their box. And it may have even felt like I was holding out on them because I didn't end with this question, or it can be phrased as a a statement, something like, "I, I hope you can find it in your heart to forgive me. And what's nice about doing it that way is you're not putting them on the spot. You're not demanding the forgiveness in the moment, because as we know, trust is like a hundred steps. And obviously they're not going to be there immediately after an offense happens, especially if it's something that's serious or repeated. 
that's when you're really going to notice that I'm sorry isn't going to be enough. And their primary apology language, whatever it was in their childhood that, that really counted, is what they're going to be waiting to hear from you. Yeah. Mm. To me, mm. to me, the, the forgiveness, that, that, that little exchange, can you forgive me? Yes, I forgive you. It's like, um, it's like bringing in a vacuum after you've swept the floor, it, it, it gets all the last crumbs, you know, that you did, you might have right. missed, and 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 make sure That's that they are one. make sure that they're sucked up and gone. Because once you ask, you're right, Jennifer. You can you can say I'm sorry. I'll do better. I'll be you know I'll take steps to do this and leave. And the other person can be unsatisfied and and kind of feel like well this this fight really isn't totally over. This apology isn't totally accepted. And you can feel like, well, I tried, you know, I tried, but I didn't get through. And, and, and so you end up leaving after apologizing, you still end up leaving feeling like there's still a bit of a fight going on. But when you say those words, and I, I could tell you that at our orphanage with our, in Haiti, with our mm -hmm. kids, we make this a part of the apology when, you know, they, we bring them How together wonderful. and they say, no, did you do it? Did you do it? Yes, I did. You know, all right, what do you have to say? I'm sorry. Okay. Now, do you forgive him or do you forgive her? Yes. Well, tell them oh, I forgive you. Okay. I want you guys to shake hands, shake hands. And that, that, that touching of the hands and that sort of blessed, uh, moment, you know, yeah, well, we're mm -hmm. kind of blessing the apology and, and, uh, yeah, I do forgive you. Yes. I accept your forgiveness. They walk away completed, you know, and, 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 and it, it holds for adults too. It, it, it's, it's a huge difference between, doing all the right things in an apology and still leaving with, as I say, some crumbs on the floor or, or cleaning it, cleaning it up with that humming of a vacuum and knowing that, you know, you're back to spick and span. That's excellent. I'm so glad that you're teaching children that um, because we do need to teach kids and we need to model it by apologizing to children or apologizing to other adults in front of children so that they can see how it's done and how much it does to remove those barriers between us and other people. Well, this has really been fascinating. And uh, I, I love the way that you make it so accessible uh, because it's hard to get people to read about apologizing or even want to dive into it because a lot of people just, as you say, they see it as a sign of weakness. They don't want to admit that they were wrong. It's part of the problem in the first place might have caused the argument. And to break it down into kind of some simple steps, uh, but some vital steps, is, is, is a good way to get people to uh, it's a good way to get people to sort of break down their barriers for to do it. Did you find in your research that there is one thing, let's say between couples, because obviously relationships are different, but between you know married couples or people who've been together in a relationship for a long time, that is the most common thing that, that sparks arguments? You know, we did. We find that this is one of what we call the two essentials for healthy, happy relationships. So it's great if you're speaking their love language, you're giving them words of affirmation, and you have a full love tank. But if you can't handle the offenses that inevitably pop up, then your love tank cannot stay full. And so Gary Chapman and I are committed to both teaching about both concepts going forward because they really go hand in hand to help people keep those work relationships and home relationships staying on track. Jennifer and Gary Chapman's book is uh, latest one is called The Five Languages of Apology, The Secret to Healthy Relationships. And you can get it wherever you get your books. 
Jennifer, I want to thank you for coming on with us. It's been uh, very much in the spirit of Maury uh, to talk about apologizing uh, and taking the first step. He, he had no problems apologizing or asking for forgiveness or granting forgiveness. Uh, he would have been uh, first in line uh, to uh, give a thumbs up to your theories about it in your book and to read it. So thanks for Wonderful. helping us with his memory. Thank you. We will be back again. We thank you for joining us here. You can find out more about Tuesday People, the podcast at wetuesdaypeople.com on the web. Until we see you again, on behalf of Lisa Deutsch, who produced the program, I'm Mitch Album saying, see you next Tuesday. Thank you for listening to Tuesday People. To be part of our conversation, join the Tuesday People community at wetuesdaypeople.com. Subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss an episode and share it with your friends. We look forward to having you with us every Tuesday because, after all, we're Tuesday people. <laughs>